0: Well hello there and welcome back to Seed Stories. We are your hosts, Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer.
1: On this program, we'll showcase a different seed variety through stories, seed saving techniques, history, and providing unique interviews with passionate seed savers from across the world.
0: And, and this, this week's, week's
1: seed is... is... A Sunflower. So Let's talk about the aricora Sunflower. Helianthus annuus, or aricora common sunflower, is a fast-growing annual with broad, oval to heart-shaped, rough, hairy leaves. In summer, it produces large, single, and multi-headed flowers, up to 12 to 16 inches across, with brilliant orange or yellow petals surrounding a usually dark chocolate central disc. Born on sturdy stalks, the flower heads are attractive to bees, butterflies, and birds. Named after the Native American tribe that grew it as food, medicinal and a ceremonial plant, it is easy to grow and sensational at the back of a sunny border. Not to mention the bountiful crops of delicious sunflower seeds. I mentioned a very specific feature of this sunflower, but I'm going to reiterate based on how trademark it is in this specific variety. There are multiple heads! Multiple heads? In a sunflower? It cannot be! It's true, there are multiple heads on the Arikara sunflower. On plants that I've grown from this seed, I've gotten as many as 20-30 heads per plant. But, not every single Arikara sunflower turns out the same. Some of the Arikara sunflowers that I planted got multiple heads that sprouted up all over the place, but were shorter. Other Arikara sunflowers that I grew for my seed got much taller, nearly six to seven feet tall, with a much, much bigger head than on the multi-headed varieties. Though it is most likely that the difference between the big single-headed variety and the smaller multi-headed variety is caused by genetics, I'm not sure what the probability for each kind is, since, when I planted my crop, I planted around 90 seeds. Most of them were the taller, single-headed variety, while fewer of them were the multi-headed type. When I grew these flowers, I grew them as a part of the University of Minnesota Morris Native Garden Project. Now, this was not the only thing we grew that year. We also grew onions, corn, peppers, beans, and squash. But we were following a very specific plan when we were using sunflowers, specifically the plan of a Haidatsu woman from the early 20th century named Buffalo Bird Woman. In 1906, an ethnographer named Gilbert Wilson visited Buffalo Bird Woman out at her village like a fishhook. There, she taught Gilbert Wilson all that she knew about indigenous farming methods. In 1917, Wilson used his observations to create Buffalo Bird Woman's Garden, Agriculture of the Hidatsa Indians, which he published through the University of Minnesota's studies in the Social Sciences Academic Journal. The majority of Wilson's book informs readers of Hidatsa agricultural practices. However, the interviews covered other subjects as well, which are included in the book. Buffalo Birdwoman also discusses the Hidatsa origin myths, the history of her tribe, and cultural practices. This book was the basis of the University of Minnesota Morris Garden Project. While the traditional native agriculture layout is the Three Sisters format, where corn is surrounded by beans, which is then surrounded by squash as well, Buffalo Bird Woman's method throws in sunflowers as a force sister to go around the border of the garden containing corn, beans, and squash. Now, our original reason for using this specific strategy was to fight against the deer that in previous years had come after the corn first and left nothing for us. We were thinking that if we put the sunflower on the border, the deer would go after the sunflowers first and stay there. But for the Hidatsa and Arikara tribes, sunflowers were another crop that could also be brought in and eaten during the hard winter months. The seeds could either be eaten plain, as we still do today, or they could be ground up and made into a meal, which we'll talk about later.
0: Hey Tom, could you tell us a little bit on how you planted the sunflower seeds at the Minnesota Morris Garden Project?
1: Sure! For us, we started by putting seeds, about forty of them, into a two by one planter box. Feet, that is. Buffalo Birdwoman says to start planting your first seeds of sunflower when the ice breaks on the rivers, around the first week of April, though we ended up planting ours in early May. We then waited until the sunflowers got to about a foot in height, brought the planter boxes out to our garden, and transplanted our sunflowers into the main plot. We planted the sunflowers about three feet away from each other, which is about what Buffalo Bird Woman says, but we also tried doing a more clumped-together row where we planted them only a foot and a half away from one another. Both rows did fairly well, but the one that was planted three feet away from each other did have more multi-headed varieties than the ones that were planted more close together. After you've gotten the transplants in and you've made sure that they've taken, there's little left to do until they're ready to harvest, except make sure the gophers don't get to them. Anything that would want to cut down your sunflowers are a threat until the sunflowers grow enough that they grow a hard outer shell on the stem, almost looking like they're growing wood or bark. If you do have something knock down or cut down one of your sunflowers, but the stem is still attached to the part that's now lying on the ground, don't pull it out just yet. If you leave that sunflower going, you could be surprised. We had a couple sunflowers that looked, for better or worse, like a gopher had completely severed them, but were only hanging on to the roots by the tiniest part of the stem. We left them on the ground, and they continued to grow, even growing over the part where they had been slightly severed, and, though looking a bit strange, we had perfectly functional sunflowers. Now, just because you planted sunflowers first before all your other crops, do not assume that you'll be taking the sunflowers first as well. In fact, you'll be leaving the sunflowers to be the last crop to be harvested.
0: The last crop? That's a long time to wait. Hey, well, Tom, how do you harvest these sunflowers? What do you do?
1: Well, you'll know when the sunflowers are ready for harvesting. Because the little flowers on each of the individual seeds inside the big flower will start to come off when you run your hand over it. Go around from flower stalk to flower stalk with a knife, and start cutting off the heads of the sunflowers, about four inches down the stem. Be careful not to leave the sunflowers on the stems for too long, Otherwise, birds might start to pick away some of the sunflower seeds you want, or bugs will start to burrow inside of the seed, making them unusable for planting next year. Take your sunflower heads and place them upside down in a place where the sun will shine on them. This will start to dry them out, and the seeds will start to fall out. When the heads have dried for about four days, you can finally go out and thresh out all the seeds. To thresh, basically all you need to do is put your sunflower head over a bucket or a basket of some kind and beat it with a stick. Beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it. Beat it. And once all the seeds have come out of the head, then you're done. This is only the procedure for the bigger, single head, taller variety. For smaller, multiple headed sunflowers, you can usually just thresh these from the stalk without having to separate and dry them. Now, I'm going to come back to something I mentioned earlier. I was talking about meal, and this is something that is specific to the Uricura sunflower because you can only really get what Buffalo Birdwoman talks about with the smaller, multi-headed variety. She talks about how, since this was the crop that they harvested last, it would usually get frosted over a couple times. This had the effect on the sunflower seeds of making them more oily after harvest thus making an even better sunflower meal by grinding them up in a corn mortar. Buffalo Bird Woman goes out of her way to specifically mention to do this with the smaller sunflower seed heads because, for some reason, the oiliness isn't brought out as much when Frost touches the big sunflower seed heads. Now, how specifically to make the meal?
0: Making sunflower meal!
1: First, get a pot and put it over a stove and get it to a boil. Then, throw in two or three handfuls of sunflower seeds and stir them with a stick to keep them from burning. Take out a seed or two and bite it. If the kernel is soft and gummy, then you're not quite done yet, but if it's dry and crisp, then the seeds have been cooked enough and you can take them out with a spoon. Repeat the process until you think you have enough seeds. Then, put them into a mortar and grind them up! And then you'll have your own homegrown sunflower meal. Now, Buffalo Bird Woman relates a very specific recipe called Four Vegetables Mixed, which uses sunflower meal. I'm going to read the recipe direct from Buffalo Bird Woman's book. Sunflower meal was used in making a dish that we call Do Pasta Maqui Hike or Four Vegetables Mixed. Four Vegetables Mixed, we thought our very best dish. To make this dish, enough for a family of five, I did as follows. I put a clay pot with water on the fire. Into the pot, I threw one double handful of beans. This was a fixed quantity. When we dried squash in the fall, we strung the slices upon strings of twisted grass, each seven Indian fathoms long. An Indian fathom is the distance between a woman's two hands outstretched on either side. From one of these seven fathom strings, I cut a piece as long as from my elbow to the tip of my thumb. The two ends of the severed piece I tied together, making a ring, and this I dropped into the pot with the beans. When the squash slices were well cooked, I lifted them out of the pot by the grass string into a wooden bowl. With a horn spoon, I chopped and mashed the cooked squash slices into a mass, which I now returned to the pot with the beans. The grass string I threw away. To the mess I now added, four or five double handfuls of mixed meal of pounded parched sunflower seed and pounded parched corn. The whole was boiled for a few minutes more and was ready for serving. I have already told how we parched sunflower seed and that I used two or three double handfuls of seed to a parching. I used two parchings of sunflower seed for one mess of four vegetables mixed. I also used two parchings of corn, but I put more corn into the pot at a parching than I did of sunflower seed. Pounding the parched corn and sunflower seed reduced their bulk so that the four parchings, two of sunflower seed and two of corn, made but four or five double handfuls of the mixed meal. Four vegetables mixed was eaten freshly cooked, and the mixed corn and sunflower meal was made fresh for it every time. A little salt might be added for seasoning, but even this was not usual. No other seasoning was used. Meat was not boiled with the mess, as the sunflower seed gave sufficient oil to furnish fat. Four vegetables mixed was a winter food, and the squash used in its making was dried, slice squash, never green, fresh squash. I'll also read one other passage from Buffalo Bird Woman on a different recipe for sunflower seed balls. Sunflower, sunflower seed balls. Ball, sunflower, sunflower seed balls. Sunflower seed balls. Ball, sunflower seed balls. Ball, Sunflower meal of the parched seeds was also used to make sunflower seed balls for sunflower seed balls I parched the seeds in a pot the usual way put them in a corn mortar and pounded them When they were reduced to a fine meal I reached into the mortar and took out a handful of the meal squeezing it in the fingers and palm of my right hand This squeezing made it into a kind of lump or ball this ball I enclosed in the two palms and gently shook it the shaking brought out the oil of the seeds cementing the particles of the meal making the lump firm I have said that frosted seeds gave out more oil than unfrosted, and that baby sunflower seeds gave out more oil than seeds from the big heads. It was quite a general custom in my tribe for a warrior hunter to carry one of these sunflower seed balls. We call the sunflower seed ball mapi, the same name as for sunflower. The sunflower meal, parched and pounded as described, was often mixed with corn balls, to which it gave an agreeable smell as well as a pleasant taste.
0: Mmm, sunflower seed balls, that sure sounds good. Hey Tom, where did you get all of that information from that you are just talking about? Well, all this information
1: comes from Buffalo Bird Woman's garden, which is public domain so you can find it anywhere on the internet.
0: Well that book sure seems to be filled with useful and great information.
1: It sure is. Hey Zeke, how does sunflower pollination work?
0: Sunflower pollination is very interesting. Each sunflower head is not just one flower. Amazingly, it has an array of flowers within the one flower. This is known as inflorescence, which actually means flowers within a flower. Sunflowers use both self-pollination and cross-pollination. The cross-pollination is mainly performed by bees, as well as butterflies, moths, and beetles. When searching for nectar, the bees get covered in pollen, which they transfer to other flowers. If you're growing the Eureka sunflower and you want to keep that variety pure, simply only grow the Eureka sunflower and no other varieties.
1: Now, if I wanted to plant some more of those wonderful sunflower seeds, where could I get them?
0: Well, you could find them on our website, northcircleseeds.com. And they actually are from your garden in the Minnesota Morris native pollinator garden. How about that? Isn't that crazy? Well, that'll do it for this episode.
1: We're your hosts, Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember folks,
0: it all starts with a seed.